Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today, that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CBC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. And God has been uh, profoundly working in hearts and lives, and it's such an honor to be able to see God moving and, and touching hearts. And this is our prayer, that our lives would be transformed into the image of Christ every day. Amen? To be more like Him every day. And um, what I've noticed is uh, that uh, the world is getting crazier and crazier. I don't know if you watch the news at all. I encourage you probably not. If, if all you do is watch TikToks, then you probably don't know uh, that the world is getting crazy. But uh, the world's getting nuts. And I think most of us are looking for wisdom and looking for guidance and direction. Would you agree, anybody? Praying for wisdom, praying for guidance. And this is where I feel like the Lord's been speaking to us. And if you've been reading the Bible plan with us, you know that we've started the book of Proverbs, which is a profound book on wisdom, how to live a life of wisdom, how to walk in integrity and character and to be a person who is upright before the Lord. It's a, it's a tremendous book. I actually have a mentor of mine who reads a proverb every day because it's 31 Proverbs, and he reads a proverb every day, and it brings so much wisdom, and so many of us are looking for wisdom, those who are promoting, I'm sure you're looking for wisdom, what, what am I going to do, what is it going to look like, where am I going to go, what deodorant should I use, you're looking for those of you who are walking through perhaps maybe some relational issues or financial issues or living situations or looking for guidance and direction. Whatever it might be, we need wisdom today. We need wisdom. And as we've been reading in the book of Proverbs, I can't help but focus on wisdom today. And in fact, if you'll turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, that's where we're going we're to uh, park this morning. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4. And I want to read our main text this morning. And this is King Solomon teaching his children, his sons, what his father, King David, had spoken to him. And he said, as my father taught me, I'm also going to teach you. And I'm going to read this to us, and then we'll pray together. Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 5, reading out of the English Standard Version, it says, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth, he's saying to his son, do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she'll exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland, who's a crown. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us. Come Holy Spirit, we know that you're already here, but we ask that you would manifest yourself in un helping us understand the scripture. Part of your job, part of your duties, Holy Spirit, is to reveal Christ to us and reveal the word to us, so we ask now for your help. Help us to understand what you're speaking to us today and help me convey your truth accurately and precisely to your people to build our hearts up in strength and boldness. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. What I find so amazing about the Bible is that it's specific about 
the difference or the, the definition or the, the difference between worldly wisdom and biblical wisdom. Do you know that there's a difference between worldly wisdom and biblical wisdom? That not all things uh, can bridge the gap between wisdoms of the world and wisdom found in Scripture. And throughout the Psalms we see this. David writes about it. And even in, in Paul's letters in the New Testament, he writes quite a bit about spiritual or biblical wisdom and the contrast between the two. And this morning I want to examine the difference between worldly wisdom and biblical wisdom. And I want to see how we can be careful not to allow worldly wisdom into our hearts and into our, into our lives and even into the church and corrupt biblical wisdom because you know it's happening. You know it's true. There's so many things that are happening in this world that says are correct and appropriate, and this is how you succeed, and this is what success looks like, and this is what uh, failure is, this is what failure looks like, and some of those things creep in into our own hearts and even into the church, and we think it's truth, but it's not. It's actually contrary to the truth. So I want to look at these things. I want to look at worldly wisdom and spiritual wisdom. Help us see the difference and how we can find it in our own lives and how we can root it out. If you're making, uh, taking notes here, you can find this in the YouVersion Bible app. You can open that up if you have a smartphone or device that you can use the YouVersion, Y-O-U version Bible app. The first one is this, between worldly wisdom and spiritual biblical wisdom. The first one is this, worldly wisdom is do what feels good. Do what feels right. Right? I always think of Disney. Follow your heart. Right? The princesses. That was horrible skipping. Let me try that again. No, I can't do it. You know what? I'm not going to try. But Disney princesses, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I look over and my brother's like, what are you doing? This idea of follow your heart, do what feels right, do what feels good. Whatever, if you have peace, you do it. Regardless of what people think or say, follow your dreams, right? Follow your heart. Right, this is, a, this is something, and, and the thing is, when I say some of these things about worldly wisdom, some of them are going to sound good, and that might be an indication that it's already crept into the way you process life. Worldly wisdom says, do what feels right. Biblical, spiritual wisdom says, deny yourself and live sacrificially, because it ain't about you. The world doesn't stop rotating when you go to bed, and it doesn't start when you get, get up. Right, this life is not about you. In fact, biblical wisdom teaches us that our lives are about him and about serving others. Jesus said it, it's better to give than to receive. He said that he came to serve and not be served. Right? He said if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, then serve. Because it's an upside down kingdom. And in our minds, we want to be, if we want to be great, then we have to step on others to be better than them. But in the kingdom... You lift others up, and in the lifting, you become the greatest. The second portion of worldly wisdom versus spiritual, biblical wisdom is live for the moment, worldly wisdom, live for the moment, versus spiritual wisdom, live with eternity in mind. Right, thinking of the bigger picture down the road, not just what, feel good, what feels good now for me now, right now, I got to do it now, whatever feels good now, like a microwave generation. And saying, no, how is this going to affect not only me in the future and my eternity with Christ, how is it going to affect the generations behind me because I'm leaving a legacy and an heritage in Christ. So it's not just about me and what I want. I can't live for the moment 
I have to live for eternity. And I'm hoping that it pushes back against what you've been told. You know, YOLO, carpe diem, whatever they're saying now about doing, doing it now, you only live once. The next one, look out for yourself versus serve and love one another. You got to watch your own back. You got to take care of yourself. You got to be about yourself. You, it's the, the wisdom of uh, no one's going to take care of you. No one's going to uh, watch out for you. You got to do it yourself. And in that moment, you become so focused on yourself that you don't care about others around you. Biblical wisdom serve and love one another. Jesus said that the, the world will know you belong to me by the way you love one another. You can't do that when you're all about yourself. Yes? Number four. Take pride in yourself versus living humbly. Everyone wants to be proud about who they are, where they came from, what they look like. That's, can I just say that's odd to me. I don't want to be prideful about what I got, what I don't got. Like, it's, it's odd to me, and this has crept in so much. And it's because the world is trying to tell you you're good enough on your own you're good enough on your own can I tell you you're not good enough on your own none of us are we need Jesus we are broken people sinful people lost people and if we keep telling people you're good enough you're good enough you're good enough then what's the purpose of a savior why do we need Jesus if I'm when I wake up I'm good there's a difference between being confident in Christ and just being confident in your own stupid self and the world would say, you're beautiful just the way you are. Well, it's not just about your outward appearance. See, in, inwardly, we're dark and broken people who are hurting. And if we deny the fact that there's stuff in us that needs work, then we'll go around thinking we've got it all together when we don't. See, take pride in yourself. No, I want to live humbly. I want to say, I am nothing without Jesus. And with him, I have everything. There's a difference there. Do you see the difference? It's subtle, but it's truth. And it might ruffle some feathers, but it's okay. Because this is what we're saying. We don't want worldly wisdom. We want biblical wisdom. Worldly wisdom would be all about perception and assumption. What I think I see, what I think I know, number five. What I think I see, what I think I know. Versus being led by the Spirit. All right, do you know anybody who's always assuming? And they always, they never assume the best, ever. It's always assuming the worst. Do you know people like this? You're like, can you give me one shot to like prove you wrong here? Because worldly wisdom says, hey, you have insight that no one else has, and you can figure out people's secret motives, even though the Bible tells us that only God sees the heart and we see the outward appearance. But for some reason in the church, we're like, oh, oh okay. So Jay's wearing a different shirt today. What's going on in his life? You know what I mean? Like we have perception and assumption and we think that's wisdom and it's foolishness. Instead of being led by the Spirit and believing that God can speak to us and give us discernment about what's going on and how to pray rather than pursue, presuming and assuming that brings judgment on people rather than encouraging and telling them, Jay, I love that shirt, bro. Let me borrow that one time. All right. Number six, worldly wisdom versus spiritual wisdom. Worldly wisdom is speculation and opinion versus spiritual insight. Everybody's got an opinion? 
There's a saying that I won't fully express, but they all stink. Anybody heard that expression? Everyone's got an opinion. If they're always willing to share their opinion, you, can always, you, you might be able to say you might not have spiritual insight if you're always telling me what you think and how I should do stuff. See, the problem is we're all looking for wisdom. We're all looking for guidance. We all want to know if we're in the right, going in the right direction, if we're on the right path. And the ways that we typically look for wisdom is that we seek the advice of others, most commonly in our friends and our coworkers, sometimes in family. And we're asking their advice. Sometimes we listen to society, what society says is right and acceptable, what we see on social media, what we hear online or on the news or what celebrities are doing, and we're looking to them for wisdom. We're looking for them as role models and, and, and help us to understand what this all means. The problem is, most often those people are not speaking to us biblical wisdom. How do, they, how do we know where what advice they're giving us is actually leading us in the right direction? Is actually putting us on the right path? That's the problem. Not many that we seek have godly wisdom. So the question we have to, have to ask ourselves is, how do I know that I'm going in the right direction? Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20, that worldly wisdom deceives us. It lies to us. And, that's, and, and you know who you lie to the most? Yourself. Yourself. I've said this before when I've, wear, when I've worn ugly shirts and I told myself I look good. I deceive myself. And then my wife will be like, so you're wearing that today. And I'm like, oh, I thought it looked good. And then spiritual wisdom came in and said, no, it doesn't. And I changed my shirt. <laughs> so we deceive ourselves a lot. And the problem with worldly wisdom is that it continues to deceive us. So if we're wanting wisdom and everything out here is saying, this is good, this is good, this is good, and we buy into it, we are lying to ourselves and we're lying the worldly wisdom to lie to us and we're trapped in lies. But here's the good news. Jesus said that he sent us the spirit of truth and the spirit of wisdom. And that spirit can speak over us. So how do we recognize if we're being self-deceived, if we become self-important in our own wisdom in this age that has crept into our lives and into the church? We can see this worldly wisdom that creeps in when we begin to think highly of ourselves over others. When we feel self-important and self-focused, when we are justifying our actions rather than truly examining them and submitting them to a higher authority, which is the Word of God in our lives. So we begin to ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to us if there's earthly wisdom, worldly wisdom in us, and what does that look like? And I was, as I was praying, I began to formulate these ideas of, what worldly wisdom looks like in people and even in ourselves. And maybe as I speak, you might, if something hits you and you think, ooh, that's a little close to home, ask the Holy Spirit, is that worldly wisdom in me that you're trying to speak to? Because people who are operating in worldly wisdom feel the need to express their opinion on virtually everything. Ask yourself, do I have to share exactly what I think about this all the time? Ask yourself why. Why do I feel like i got to be up in everybody's business? And why do I feel like I have all the right answers and no one else does? 
Perhaps there's some self-importance there, and perhaps there's some worldly wisdom that's been speaking to you. There are people who aren't happy unless they stand in opposition to the majority. You ever met anybody like that? There was a guy I used to work with. He would argue every point I made. I think it was actually part of his culture. He was from an um, Eastern European country, and I think it was part of, probably part of the, how they dialogued. But I, would, I remember I would sit down, I was like, man, this food's good. He goes, uh, not really. <laughs> no, it's good. I like it. Not the best. He's not the best. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, man, hey. And I started commenting to one of our friends. I said, man, those shoes look good. I've seen better shoes. I'm like, why? He did it every time. Every time. And I even told my friend, I said, look, I'm going to, I'm, I'm catching on that he's doing this. So I'm going to just say the most obvious thing. And he's going to argue with me. And he's like, you think so? I said, yeah. And when I said, man, the, the sky is blue today. It's not the bluest I've ever seen. I was like, come on, really? It's blue. I've seen it bluer. I'm like, okay. But there are people who always have to go against whatever is happening. You ever, do you know any? I mean, like, sports, whatever it might be, food, restaurants. I love Percos. It's all right. You know, they, there's always, come on, Percos. This is our people, Madeira. We got to support them. Come on. Oh, hold on now. She's from out of town, y'all. She don't know. She don't know. But there are these things that happen, right? See, when we allow worldly wisdom to govern our lives, it becomes our very nature to require to win on every issue. You can never admit, you know what? I might have been wrong about that. I could, you know, I, I see what you're saying. Even when you, they're definitely wrong. Even when you're wrong, you can't say that you're wrong. Right? Because there might be some prideful, worldly drive inside that's pushing you in that direction. Right? At times we all struggle with this, but if you strip away the exterior of wisdom of the world, there will always be pride at the center of it. Worldly wisdom is about building up your pride. But biblical wisdom is about building up your humility. So how do we begin to gain spiritual wisdom and recognize that worldly wisdom is foolishness to God? This is what I love about Proverbs chapter 4. The author personifies wisdom as a woman that responds in kind to our nurturing and loving towards her. And can I tell you something? Proverbs is profound on so many levels. We're going to find the depths of spiritual reality as, as, as it pertains to gaining wisdom. But can I also tell you, husbands, if you want a wife to respond to you this way, women respond to the nurturing and the loving that they receive first from their husbands. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 4. If you don't forsake her, she'll keep you. If you love her, she'll guard you. If you prize her, she'll exalt you. If you embrace her, she'll honor you, and she'll give you a crown of beauty and victory. How many of us want to experience that, not only spiritually, but in our relationships? So some theologians believe that Solomon, when he was personifying wisdom, he was using it as a tool to contrast wisdom from foolishness. But other theologians think that the personification of wisdom was a deliberate way of highlighting the nature of the spirit of wisdom, which the Bible tells us is another name for the Holy Spirit. 
The spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit, synonymous. We even see this in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, as it, Isaiah was prophesying 500 years before Christ came about Jesus coming. He says, There will come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch with his roots that will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord and he shall not judge by what he sees or decides, and decide disputes by what he hears. Jesus, we know, the Son of God, but as Jesus came in the flesh, he disrobed his divinity and he stepped into humanity. And everything that Jesus did here on earth was through the power of the Holy Spirit when the Spirit of God descended upon him after he was baptized and the, and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, rested on him. And this is what Isaiah is talking about, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of strength and might. Those things are all the Holy Spirit. And through, through, through this proverb in chapter 4, we're understanding through Solomon, he's saying the spirit of wisdom is the Holy Spirit. And if you want to have close relationship with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, do these things. Are you following me? Because here's, honestly, this is, this is what we can see. There's a contrast here. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus says it in Mark chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 4 says you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Jesus says you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So if you can blaspheme and grieve the Holy Spirit, are there ways that you can honor and please the Spirit of God? If there are ways that you can push the Spirit away, could there also be ways that you can draw the Spirit close? And the answer is yes, and it's found in chapter 4 of Proverbs. Chapter 4, starting in verse 23, Solomon says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away crooked speech and put divisive speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left, but turn your feet away, turn your feet away from evil. Quickly, I'm going to give you five points. Five points on how to draw the Holy Spirit close to you and you be drawn closer to the Holy Spirit. Is anybody interested in that this morning? I want to be drawn closer to the Holy Spirit and I want the Holy Spirit to draw close to me. The first one is to keep your heart with all vigilance. Say, keep your heart. Vigilance means this. It's sustained concentration for a period of time. Sustained concentration. I am being vigilant on this thing right here. Everything else might be happening around me, but I'm here focused on this. I am being vigilant of what's right before me. Right During this time of vigilance, the person is attempting to detect an appearance of a particular change or object that they are observing. You ever have those life magazines at the dentist's office and they say, these two pictures are different. Find them. You ever do that? That's when I'm most vigilant. I'm like, those shoes, that one's tied, that one's untied. Okay, I found one. You know? In that moment, you could say, pastor is being very vigilant because I'm trying to decipher the difference between these two things. I am focused on it. Most jobs, there are jobs that have to be vigilant. 
There are jobs that have, people have to be vigilant, quality control. If you're ever in a giant facility or warehouse and make, made, making major things or a ton of things, they, there's people who are quality control. They have to make sure everything is perfect. That one's not right. They take it out, right? They're vigilant. That's their job. For eight hours a day, they're just, no. That's it. They're looking at these large things, you know, stuff that you're, you're building, Chris, and the guys look around, this rivet is not in the right place, or it's misplaced, or this, and they're taking, it's got to be back, why, they got to be vigilant, they're keeping their eyes focused, their heart, keep your heart with all vigilance, what it says, lifeguards have to be vigilant, have to be focused on the water at all times, kid goes under, they're there, they're ready to rescue, they're vigilant, Solomon is saying, if you want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, mind what's in your heart. Keep watch of what you allow in your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Number two, put away crooked speech. Put away crooked speech or devious talk. This is more than just not speaking the truth or telling lies. This is more than even swearing, cursing. He's speaking about the idea of crafting your words to manipulate people or or persuade people for your own gain. So if you want the Holy Spirit to draw close to you, don't manipulate your brother or sister. Don't try to twist your words or twist their words so that it makes you look better and makes them look worse. Why? Because he says all of you have been created in the image of God. And when you try to manipulate people or try to persuade people for your own gain, you are, you are telling the Holy Spirit, I don't care what you think about that person. I wanna get, I'm going to get mine. So the Holy Spirit is saying, why should I draw close to you when you're just going to try to use the things that I'm giving you and the insight that I have to manipulate people for your own gain? He said, put the crooked speech or devious talk. Actually, the Bible says this. Manipulation is a form of witchcraft that you use for your own benefit. So if you're trying to manipulate people, be careful because you're allowing the enemy to come in and manipulate you. The word devious and deviate are the same from the same root word, meaning uh, to stray off the path. So you're, you're, you say you speak the truth, but you deviate from the truth, and you're telling lies. He's saying, I ain't about that. I'm not about that. Number three, keep your eyes straight ahead. If you want to have the spirit of wisdom, guard your hearts, mind your mouths, and keep your eyes focused ahead. See, Paul talks about keeping our eyes on the things that are ahead of us and not behind us. It's this idea of not keeping your, not, not only keeping your eyes on Jesus, but also away from the things that would distract or distort the way that you're following. See, I, has anybody been on, well, I mean, almost every road in Madeira has major potholes? Yeah? That's a whole other issue. Taxpayer money going where? I don't know. Some of the worst roads we have. If you go out in the country, you're like, I'm a, i am I got to get a new axle. So there's potholes everywhere. But whenever you're driving and you see a major pothole and you want to you miss it, but all you do is stare at it, what do you do? Boom! You hit a huge pothole. You're like, how did I not miss that? I was looking at it the entire time. Well, that was the problem. We go the direction that we're looking. I remember learning to ride a bike and there's... There's trees all up and down our neighborhood and all the side streets, and I'm riding on the sidewalk, and I'm like, okay, there's a bump here, and then there's that tree. i got to miss that tree. I ran right into the tree because I was staring at the tree. I'm like, going to miss it. I'm going to, nope, I'm going to hit it. I'm hitting it. Because we hit what we're staring at. What we're focused on is where we're going. What you're looking at is where you're going to go. The first time I 
rode a three-wheeler. We had a family reunion out in Kerman, beautiful Kerman, California, at my great-uncle Jay and Pat's house. My cousins lived there, Davey, Colby, who attend here. They had three-wheelers and quads and everything, and I had an uncle from Washington down. They rode all the time. They had a three-wheeler out front, and everybody else, I don't know where anybody else was, but every, everyone else is in the backyard or in the house or something, and there was a three-wheeler out front, and I thought, I'm going to get on this thing. I'm going to ride this bad boy. Seven years old. I'm from the, I lived in the city. No one else would start it for me because they knew I couldn't ride it. But my uncle, Jim, comes out and says, boy, you can ride that? I said, yes, I can. He said, okay. He starts it up for me. He's like, just mind the roses. I said, all right. He goes in the house, whoop, full blast into the roses. Just, boom, <laughs> scraped up, bleeding, running the rose bushes over. Sorry, Aunt Pat, if you're watching, that was me. I, I just turned it off and ran. I was like, I'm out of here. I don't know. Somebody wrecked the roses. Somebody hit the roses. I don't know who it was. So I was, I was staring at, he told me, don't, you watch out for that. Okay, I'm going straight for it. Because what we focus on is what we head towards. The Holy Spirit is, hey, if you want me, focus on me. If you want to draw closer to me, don't be looking at everything else that's around you and getting distracted because you're going to continue to go in these different directions. Come follow me. Come seek me. Number four, ponder the path of your feet. Say, ponder your path. See, we've got to consider the consequences before we act. You have to, Jesus says, before someone builds a building, you've got to count the cost first. You don't just start building and you're like, oh, I'm out of money. I got two walls up. So, but a lot of us live our lives that way. We just say, we're, gonna, we're just going to do it. We're just going to do it. We don't count the cost. We start going in a direction and all of a sudden we think, this is not going to work out. Because we're not asking the Spirit for wisdom. Should I do this? Is this wise? He says, count your cost. Ponder the path. Consult with the Holy Spirit before making a decision. This thing is very true even in relationship with marriage. Right? You're not going to have a good marriage. You're going out and you're spending all kinds of money. You don't talk to your partner. They come back like, where's all of our money? I don't know, but we got a see-do. You know? <laughs> when did this happen? You got a see-do? You're in deep doo-doo. You should have talked to me first. Right? What I've learned in marriage is that uh, if I consult with my wife first and we make a game plan together, it will not only go well for us to, receive, to, to achieve the goal, but it's going to go well for me and where I sleep at night. Consulting. If we say that we believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and yet we never speak to the Holy Spirit, we never ask His opinion on anything, why should the Holy Spirit draw close to us when we are telling the Holy Spirit you're not important to me and your opinion does not matter? Try to do that with your spouse. Say, I love you, I care about you, and you never talk to your spouse about anything that's going on in your life or whatever. Is that, is that going to feel like a close relationship? Absolutely not. And the Holy Spirit is saying the same thing. Even, even, even on a greater level because the Holy Spirit knows you more detailed than your spouse does or your significant other. So consult mind, ponder the path, ponder the path of your feet. Number five, do not swerve to the right or to the left and turn your feet from evil. Talking about wisdom of the Holy Spirit, walking closer with the spirit of wisdom. And there are many Christians who profess to be Christians, but they want to live however way they want to and still say they follow Jesus. 
How can you follow Jesus when he is going in this direction and you're walking to the left and to the right of it? He said, mind your path and don't swerve to the right or to the left and turn from evil. And there are, there are some of us who are continuing to be turning to evil and still saying, I follow Jesus, I love Jesus. And that's different from those of us who are struggling in a certain area, right? We stumble along the path. Jesus comes and picks us up again and says, hey, keep following, keep following. But there are some of us who are being intentional about leaving the path and going and pursuing what we desire, going to the left and to the right, not fleeing from evil but running to it and then lying to ourselves and saying, I'm still on the path. I'm still following Jesus when clearly we're not. And there's a, different, there's a contrast there between those who are struggling to follow Christ, but we're still dealing with our fleshly stuff. We're saying, God, help me overcome this. And those of us who are saying, oh, I'm good. I'm blessed and highly favored. Hold on, let me go do this over here real quick in the secret. And come back, like, I got no problems. There's a difference. Why? Because worldly wisdom will always be hiding pride within us. Biblical wisdom says, ah, I'm humble, I'm broken, I need Jesus. I need him. Every day, every day, I'm struggling. Is that a song? I don't know if it is or not. Or is that hustling? Every day I'm hustling? The Christian version, every day I'm struggling, but I'm trying to go after Jesus. Sorry, my mind. Bring it back in. But some of us are saying, I follow Jesus, and we're clearly not. And we wonder why we won't have wisdom from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I'm trying to help you, but you keep running off doing your own thing. And I'm like, hello, get back on the path. See, wanting to do whatever you want to do and still trying to think you're going to hit the target of following Jesus and have a strong relationship with the Holy Spirit when clearly you're not doing that if your eyes are everywhere else and you're walking everywhere else. It's this idea that James talks about in James 1.8, being double-minded and unstable in all your ways. Look, if we're going to be people who say we follow Jesus, let's follow Jesus. Even if we struggle, if we, even if we're tempted, if we have, if, even if we have hard times, we're saying we're, we're going to follow Jesus. But we're certainly not going to be people who say, I'm a Christian, yeah, I follow Jesus, and we're blatantly disobeying him. Let's not do that. Let's live with integrity because he's made it possible for us to walk in relationship with him. And you know, you can do it because the Holy Spirit lives within you and the Holy Spirit is looking every day for a closer relationship with you. Every day. And even if you've been doing everything that I've been saying not to do, can I tell you, today is a new day to begin to say, I'm gonna follow Jesus today. I'm gonna do it. Why? Because he's such a graceful, merciful, good God. He loves you. He loves you. Even if you've been running, even if you've been screwing up, he's like, hey, I got another shot for you. I got another chance for you. Come on, come on back. I've never left you. I've never ran from you. Even when you were running from me, I said there's always a way back to me. So this morning, if you want wisdom, here's the big picture for my message today. If you want wisdom, if you want the spirit of wisdom in your life in a more intimate way, put away worldly wisdom and begin to seek the Holy Spirit in this way. Guard your hearts from anything that would derail you. Put away crooked and manipulous speech from you. 
Set your focus on Jesus and pursue the things that God has for you and not of this world. See, the Holy Spirit desires an intimate, integral, integral part of your life. How do I know this? Because the Holy Spirit's described in 1 John 1.21 as our advocate. The advocate who comes alongside to help us. And there's a, the Greek word here, and if you've been in church at all, you know it. If you haven't been, it's going to make it sound like I'm talking about a bird. But the Greek word is paraclete. Let me be very clear. The Holy Spirit is not a parakeet. He's a paraclete, and it's derived of two words in the Greek, para meaning very close, and kaleo meaning to be called. So the advocate, the Greek word divining the Holy Spirit, is the one who's been called very close to you. The Holy Spirit's job is to be close to you. So he is wanting to be close to you. He's not wanting to run from you. He's not trying to lift his hand off of you. He is, his goal is, I'm called to be close to you. I'm called to be close to you. My job is to be close to you. I want to be close. Will you let me be close? Will you let me get closer? Will you let me speak to you? Will you let me give you direction? Because he wants to. He's your advocate. He comes alongside you. He wants to help you. He wants to help you walk in truth. He wants to help you be more like Jesus. He wants to help you. So he's saying, I'm here for you. I want to be close to you. The Holy Spirit has been called to be very close to us. But if we refuse to walk in wisdom, we refuse to allow him to be close to us. Therefore, we walk without him. I don't know about you this morning. I don't want to walk without the Holy Spirit. I believe it's vital to give time this morning to reflect on if we've been walking in worldly wisdom or seeking spiritual wisdom and allow that time to turn our hearts back to the Holy Spirit for guidance and direction this morning. So I want us to search our hearts right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If the worship team would come forward. Ask the Holy Spirit these things. If you're a follower of Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit these things. Have I offended you by not guarding my heart, what's been going into my heart and the thoughts that are in my heart, and not submitting them to you? Have I been offending you by the way I've been speaking and conducting myself in ways that are not pleasing to you? Have I pushed you away, Holy Spirit, by turning my eyes to things that would cause me to stray away from you and not minding the path that you have before me. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. And if he begins to speak to you in any of these areas, guarding your heart, focusing and focusing on him, not minding the, the, where you've been going. Ask him. And if he begins to speak to you about these things, take time right now to repent, to turn away from it. Confess those things to him. And then say, Holy Spirit, draw close to me again. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is longing for this time with you right now. 
the Holy Spirit has been waiting for this Sunday, saying this is the time that I'm going to draw close to you. I'm going to draw close to you right now. If you'll just allow me to point out some things that have been drawing you away, distorting the truth, wisdom that you've been trusting in that's not wisdom at all. Let me come speak to you. Let me come draw close to you. Let's just take a moment now. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Search our hearts, Lord. Search our hearts, Lord. We want wisdom today. Which means we want you, Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of power, spirit of might. We long for you, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to our hearts today. We thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to CBC.com.